What's up, world? Welcome back to Authentically Us, the podcast where we talk about what it means to be authentic in everything that you do in every space that you occupy. I'm Conroy Smith. I'm one of the hosts. And we got Tony here. Tony, say what's up to the people, man. What's going on, y'all? I'm always here. Guys, um, we have a wonderful guest today. But before we jump in, pause. Pause this podcast. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Give us a like. Go to our Instagram. TikTok, YouTube, follow us. All of it. We're everywhere. Everywhere. Follow you us. Can't get away give us a rating. Also, go to our link tree. Um, we have some resources there. And shout out to MSW uh, for having us on their uh, website and their platform. But without further ado, we have a wonderful guest today. And I don't want to hold y'all any longer. So let's get into it. Let's go. Guys, you are in for another great episode today. We have Kiani Williams on the podcast today. She is a world traveler. She is the host of the Grow to Be Free podcast and a mental health advocate. Kiani, welcome to Authentically Us. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here and I'm really excited to talk to you guys and your audience. Yes, we're excited to have you, um, for you to share your story. Guys, Kiani and I go back. We um, used to go to the same church together, and we were, in a, we were in a small, large group together. And by small, large group, I mean it, it was on paper considered a small group, but we had like 50 deep for sure, I would say. It was, it was actually chat. a small church. It was like- I was low-key. about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Low key, it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. And then also, Kiani, Tony reminded me that he came out here to visit and he met you um, yep. at a G's going away party at that like restaurant, like in. Oh yeah, yep. that's right. I do remember yes. you. <laughs> yep. Okay, it, it I was like he right. Went. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was like in the the fire fireside yep. like yep. dim lighting it was really moody and people cried yeah okay <laughs> i remember <laughs> yes it, it was definitely like moody i love that because it was like definitely like vibey like hey we're all gonna cry this <laughs> for this yeah it was emotional for sure man well um we're excited like i said um you have a lot to that you you bring your podcast is awesome like we mentioned you're a world traveler but we want to pull back the layers and start um like where did you grow up and what was your upbringing like yeah so i grew up here in san diego born and raised i've never permanently moved outside of the city but it, it certainly is my home and my upbringing was kind of kind of rough in some ways and the reason being isn't because of you know, I didn't grow up in poverty or anything like that, but my challenge was my my parents have been divorced my whole life, and they got divorced when I was pretty much a baby. So I'd never seen them together at any point in time, which is in a way a good thing, but, you know, how you might think of divorced families is like, oh, you know, like the the parents, they fight, and then they break up, and then, you know, life moves on after that. For me, it was more like, okay, my, my, my parents fought, they broke up when I was a baby, and then they continued to fight every single week for the rest of my life, almost, until I turned 18. So every, t- every week on Sunday, when they would exchange me, my mom would come and pick me up from my dad's house. My mom would start yelling at my dad for something that he did, because my mom is just a very strong, independent woman. She was likely mad about something reasonable. However, it it left an impression on me that was really tough to get out of. And honestly, it took me at least like four or five years to really heal from those 18 years of just going through like constant fighting. And and if you if you can imagine, you know, if you're in a state of um like emotional distress growing up, you're kind of in like this fight or flight mode. And so I didn't realize this at the time, but, you know, looking back on it, I was in a constant state of fight or flight. So that's how anxiety and depression started to manifest in my body. And it didn't really hit me super hard until 
after I got out of that situation. Because, you know, if you're in it, you're just trying to fight and you're just trying to like get through it and you're just on guard. And I was like that for 18 years. And then that's why it took me at least like four or five years just to recover from that. So that that definitely had a huge impact on my life growing up, but it wasn't all bad. I know I started off with a bad thing, but there are some really great times. Like my dad would take us camping all the time and I rode dirt bikes when I was growing up. I was just kind of like a child that went and did everything. <laughs> like I was in dance. I did color, go- color guard, which is like the flags and the rifles in high school. Um, I... I wasn't very good at sports, but you know, I tried my best. I I try to be a tomboy. I'm just I'm just not though. <laughs> I was like a wannabe tomboy. I sucked at sports, but like I could ride a dirt bike and I could you know be a little camping girl and and dance. <laughs> so so that's what I did growing up. And honestly, I I had a really good work ethic too because my mom she she pushed me really hard. You know, she's definitely an Asian parent. She she she's strict in the sense of you know she wants her her children to do the best that they can and she wants the best for her children. So being the oldest child as well, that kind of put a little bit more pressure on me to do really well in academics. And so I took on a lot of extracurricular activities on top of doing AP classes, honors classes. So I was kind of just like a do it all kind of child. And that kind of built a lot of work ethic within me and has made me into who I am today. yeah, that, I don't know. That's that's kind of like my, my upbringing. I, I spilled a lot, so I don't know where you wanted to go after that. I love it. I love it. So so I'm sure once you discovered that you lived in this state of fighter um uh fight or flight your whole life, when you started to realize you were actually in safe spaces. I'm I'm sure that had to feel like uncomfortable for you. That's a really good point, Tony. Yeah, you said that really well. And it that was honestly very accurate to how I handled relationships outside of my family. I I honestly I'm still kind of realizing this to this day like within the last year or two that I've had trouble trusting people and really opening up to others and allowing them to become a true friend mostly because of I mean it's also like it's not just because of my upbringing but also between friend friendly relationships that I had in middle school and high school also didn't go all that well I've, I had some good friendships and also some bad ones like I think we all have sometimes and so I think all of those together just really put me in my shell I'm very good at being outgoing and you know talking to people and making them feel like I'm their friend but when it comes to getting closer I I kind of close up so it's something that I've been working on over the last few years like like Conra even when we were in the group together like I was in that peak stage of like I'm trying to be friends with these people and I'm trying my best but it's just like my own I don't my own uh, default setting was just kind of like close up when you get too close Mm -hmm. so there's a, there was only like a like maybe like one or two people from that group that I like I felt like I could really like be myself with and it still took me like at least a year or two after that to get close and like really be friends with them. So you're right Tony, it was really hard to to open up and to really feel like I can connect with people after that. Well, I was going to say I feel like I, I'm similar to in that in that sense. And I, I say it's like a blessing and a curse where I can make people feel like they are heard, they are seen, that we are best friends. But I know I didn't tell them anything. But they think we're really close because I've listened and I remembered what they told me. But I didn't tell you anything. <laughs> and it's, it's, it is hard. And, Tony, you did put it perfect. It is like recognizing when you're in a safe place, you're in a safe place. And you don't have to have walls up. And I can only imagine from, um, like you were mentioning, kind of your upbringing, like walls kind of had to be up. And it's interesting. I, 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 I can actually, now what you mentioned, that I can see you 
in the group like i can see your effort right i i felt like you were really trying and being intentional even how awkward it may have felt at times so oh this is this is so good already <laughs> yes this is a therapy session low-key yes i'm all about it i'm actually in grad school for counseling and so <laughs> i'm like in my element right now that's awesome and you're wearing your jesus and therapy hoodie i love that yes we're gonna get along just fine tony <laughs> absolutely um so i did want to ask about like when it comes to your uh your mental health um when did it when did you begin to take care of it great question so i'll start with when i was in college i was still doing the same thing where i didn't quite trust people but i was you know being friends with them and making these I, i'll i feel bad saying this but yeah they were kind of like fake fake friends at the time looking back on it um, from my side and also from their side i think it, it was mutual in a way but i had all of these friends and you know we would go out a lot and we would kind of just you know, party and be college students and have a great time. And that was also simultaneously the peak of when I started to realize that my fight or flight response was going down and therefore it was time to heal from all of that. So on one hand, you have me partying and, and doing <laughs> not great things to my body. And on the other hand, you have me also trying to heal or my body's realizing, okay, I need to heal from this 18 years of trauma that I've had. And it just all kind of hit this apex of, I don't know what my body is doing. And it's, it's kind of scary because I would, I would go out. I remember this one specific time I went out to the club and I was in the bathroom just waiting for my friend to finish using the restroom. And I just started crying like out of nowhere for no reason whatsoever. She was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I honestly don't know. Like, I don't know why I started crying and it started to turn into a panic attack because I think I was, I was scaring myself and to like, why am I even like this? Like, what is going on? And that was kind of the turning point that I realized I was like, look, this is an issue. If I can't even control my emotions and it's, seemingly because of no trigger whatsoever that means that emotions are just bubbling up for some reason that i'm not aware of and so that was my trigger really to go to therapy also too i was i was very depressed after after college i didn't set myself up in a way that i had a job lined up and in my mind i was like i'm a failure <laughs> i told myself you're a failure because everybody else everybody else being you know just you know, the handful of people I talk to, right? They, everybody else has a job lined up at like right after they get out of school, they're going to start work right away. And you don't, what does that say about you? You know, so I, I really set myself in a hole where I, it, I remember it was the summer of 2018. And I spent every single day lying on the couch watching Netflix for the entire day. And if that doesn't spell depression, I don't know what does. But at the time I was just like, uh, I was just like, I don't know what else to do. I, I would try to apply to, to jobs and I was doing that consistently while also being on the couch. But in between those um, rejections, I was there on Netflix and not moving. I couldn't even bring myself to work out or, you know, get go outside really. It was just it was just laying there and napping. And I, I realized that I needed to go to therapy. And that was kind of the turning point for me is when I got into that therapy office, I, w I felt very challenged by the woman asking me some very deep personal questions like you just did, Tony. And, and she spoke some truth into me and recommended that I start journaling. And from from before th that time, I thought of journaling as just like the thing that little girls do when they're bored. 
and it's like their diary. They write all their crushes down in there and all of the things that happen at school. That's what I thought journaling was. And I was like, oh, that's kind of silly. But I, I was so desperate. Like I just needed to do do it and see what happens. And I still have the same journal from that therapy session that I started to write in. And I think I'm pretty sure like the first few sentences are like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know what I'm writing here. This makes no sense to me, but I just kept writing. And like the first journal entries of that year were very, very dark. And, you know, you'd look back at it and be like, oh, wow, like she's going through something. But that really helped me process the thoughts and the feelings that I couldn't explain when I was just bursting out into an anxiety panic attack. So when I actually got those thoughts and feelings out, even though they didn't quite make sense, it helped me relieve myself and be able to let go of all of that. So that was really the turning point for me. Yeah, I I love that because like, one thing I often say with my clients and in my classes is we have to name it to team it. Um, and, and when we name things that they lose a little uh, power than if we just keep them in. And so I love like knowing that by journaling, that was your form of naming it to team it. Exactly. Um, talk to us about what your biggest breakthrough has been when it comes to your mental health. Yeah, the, ba- the breakthrough really, I would say initially came with the journaling for sure, because that was really the first step that I started to feel better. And the truth is, is that I was bottling up so many thoughts and emotions ever since I was a little kid. So it was like, you know, at that point like 21 years of bottled up emotions that are now coming out. And I was starting to see changes in myself. I I started to feel like I could go outside again. I didn't need to just lay on the couch all day. I ended up getting a job. So that, that also helped me get back into a normal routine of things. I, I felt motivated to start working out again. So that was the first breakthrough for sure. And through that, I've just absorbed a lot of um, tools, if you will, of self-awareness and and a lot of these self-development concepts that were fed to me from friends and just things that I would see online and other influences that just really spoke to me. And up until that point, I didn't really have too many things that I was like thoroughly passionate about, even though I like to dance and I like to do, you know, all of these things. It's like, I didn't really know, like, what, what were the things that I felt really passionate about? What are the things that I felt like a burning desire to talk about or burning desire to share with people? And I, I realized that it was a lot of these self-development co- concepts and, you know, things that I've learned in therapy that really helped me change my life and honestly I felt like that was a bit breakthrough in itself (laughs) was that I I started to realize like oh I actually am passionate about something I'm not just like going through the motions of life and I think that breakthrough just really helped me discover who I am and continue to walk in that and grow in that Um, and then the third breakthrough was definitely like coming back to God (laughs) like that's I can't go without saying that like I can I share my testimony? Is that yeah? Oh, go yeah. ahead. Come on. Okay. I was like, I'm, this is like going to go into a whole nother story. Send it. But, Full send. Okay. All right. So I I grew up in a church. My mom put me in a private Christian school, kindergarten through eighth grade. For for whatever reason, I did not feel like anything resonated with me. Like I I was there to go to school. I was there to make friends, you know, all of the normal things. And we would memorize Bible verses and go to chapel and do worship and all of that. And I didn't get it. It, Like, I don't know if it was partially because of how it was being taught or it was just not 
my time or if I was just so clouded with everything else going in my life that Jesus wasn't resonating with me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but basically it just didn't, it didn't mean anything to me. And so I convinced my mom to put me into public school going into high school because I wanted to, I said, I was like, oh, I want to go, you know, learn how to dance at this one school. I ended up not getting into that school. And I was like, well, I could just go to this other school, <laughs> this other public school. And so she let me do that. And so I was basically living for the world from high school through college and then up into that time where I was depressed and anxiety. So I felt I found myself in that place where, you know, I was I was in such a dark place and I had therapy. I had, you know, friends that were like giving me encouragements and and teaching me these self-development concepts. But I I was still just living for myself. I was still doing I was still drinking. I was still I was still doing drugs. I was still, you know, living for the world, doing all the things that were for me. And I was all, I was also pursuing money at the time as well. And this is a key part of the story because I, I got mentorship from this couple that were mentoring me in business. And, you know, they were very much like, oh, you know, you know, we'll, we'll help you learn how to make money. And I was like, okay, great. And then I found out that they went to The Rock, you know, our church. And I was like, wait, hold on. You guys go to The Rock? If you guys are so successful and you guys go to The Rock, maybe I should start going to church. That was literally my, my mindset. I was like, well, if they go, it must mean something. So I should go. And I just started going that following Sunday and I was consistent about it, just showing up and slowly but surely I felt the Holy Spirit just speaking to me, like in my heart. I never felt that before. I'd never felt like a movement in the spirit, you know, for, for people who don't know what that means. It's just like, you know, you, you just feel it in your soul. There's, there's something going on and, it, and it's, it's making you think and feel things that maybe you haven't before, but it's leading you to a better life. And I, I rededicated my life to Christ and, and ended up getting baptized by Najee, <laughs> full circle moment. <laughs> I asked him to baptize me and he did. And uh, my life was just changed. So that, that was, that was, that was a big breakthrough for me, but it was a long time coming. Right. I just, i I feel like God had just been pursuing me my entire life. Even when I wasn't living for him and even denying him at some points, like he was still there. He was still putting things into my life to bring me back to him. He was still vouching for me to, to get to, to that moment where I was back in church on my own accord by my own choice mm -hmm. and choosing now to live for him, not because somebody else told me to do so because I wanted to. So that was a big thing for me, for sure. Was this before or after it? Was this like during that small group time? Pretty much. So, I mean, I kind of rededicated my life like in service at Point Loma. And I realized I was like, oh, I, you know, I feel like I should like join a group. <laughs> and then I remember I went onto the rock website and I was like groups. And then uh, there was only one group that actually had a picture. And of course it was ours. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to that one. <laughs> I can see the people who they are. <laughs> and so that's, that's how that kicked off. But I remember even, even going back to that first meeting or Bible study that we had, I remember Iman, she prayed for me. And it was like no other prayer that I'd ever heard in my life. I was like, what is she saying? I'm like, why am I crying? <laughs> like, I don't even know this girl. And like, she was like telling me things, like telling me things in my life. I'm like, how did you know that? Like, I just met you. <laughs> it yeah. was like, it was so wild to me at the time. Um, and so that, that kept me coming. I was like, this, there's something here. I've never experienced this. And I was just so blessed. I was so blessed by that group because it really did help foster my growth mm. in my faith. Even like that was even if I didn't like make like super close connections, like that's what it was for. It was for mm. me to look at everybody else in that group and see their example and and get the teaching and, you know, get that fellowship, that community like that was a huge turning point in, in my faith, honestly. That was definitely a special time. Uh you know, when we went online during COVID, Tony hopped on a couple and he was just like, I get why you don't want to move home. Because we we had a great community 
um, for that specific time. It was a special time. I had a lot of growth during yeah. that time too. And it's, it's really cool to hear, to hear your growth. But during that time, I think you got a job throughout it. And then all of a sudden you were like, I'm about to travel. So talk to us about how this traveling nomad came, came to be. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was a great transition, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've always wanted to travel. So even before I started going back to church, I was trying to figure out, I was like, how can I travel? And I didn't really even know like what that meant to me. I didn't know. I like, I knew what a digital nomad was and I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. I, I can see how people are doing it, but I couldn't really figure it out. And honestly, I, I was just in the, in the process of years trying to figure out how I could do this. And so that was part of the reason why I pursued those mentors and like was trying to learn about money. I was like, all right, the, the, the way in which I'm going to travel is I'm going to retire early. That was like my whole thing. And then COVID hits and we all know what happens there. And one day I'm sitting there working from home and I just realized I was like, wait, I'm working from home. I'm working remotely. Like I can work from anywhere. <laughs> and then it was just like a ding <laughs> moment. I was like, I can do this right now. I don't need to retire early. And it was like this big epiphany for me. And I literally booked the trip right then and there, like that same day I, I booked it. Cause I, I, I just realized it was just something clicked and I already knew what trip I could do. And so I just booked it and I basically told my job, I was like, Hey, by the way, I'm going to go do this at, at this time. And I basically, if you guys can't make it work, like deuces, but I'm going to do this. And like, they wanted to work with me. So I, it, it ended up working out. I ended up getting a different job, but that's besides the point. Either way, I, I told, I told both of them that, Hey, I'm, I have this trip. I'm going to be doing it no matter what. So if you want to work with me, great. If not, peace. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it happens. So that, that's how that happens. <laughs> Now, were you, you did this solo, correct? Not, not exactly. So the program that I did, it's called Remote Year. So basically what it is, it's a company that caters to remote workers or, you know, people who have location independence. They, are, they could be entrepreneurs or maybe they're not working. And they basically, you pay them to, sorry, there's a dog right here. I hope that's okay. No, you're good. We love <laughs> um, dogs. Hi. Yeah, he's so cute. Uh, <laughs> Okay, I need you to get down now so I can tell my story. Stop. Okay. Um, so basically, they cater to remote workers and they pay for where you're going to stay uh, and, and make sh making sure you have a solid Wi-Fi connection in a workspace, your flights in between the countries, and then you're traveling with this group of people who are doing all the same thing. And you might not know them. In fact, I didn't know a single person who was doing this. I was like, I'm just going to do this and I'll meet y'all. <laughs> when I get there, because I didn't have anybody in my life who was down to do something like that. And this was perfect for me because I was like, okay, I'm not going to be by myself, but I still get to be doing the things that I want to do and have kind of like this independence and solo travel like, but it's like you have people around you. So yeah. What was it called again? Remote year. Remote year. Hopefully they'll sponsor us after that. Um, yeah, what was right. your right? What was your favorite place you traveled throughout that time, or any time? Yeah, it's so hard to choose one place, but I would say top three to top four is Italy and Japan are like my top two because those are the top two places that I wanted to go. And they definitely met my expectations in that way. So definitely those two. And then the two wild cards for me that I had no idea about, but would a hundred percent recommend and absolutely love to death is South Africa and Portugal. I hadn't, I, I knew nothing about those countries, but going there was so amazing like i miss those so much like i have friends who spent the summer both in portugal and and uh, south africa and i'm just like i want to go back <laughs> like Man. i miss it so much i've heard some things about south africa how it's pretty it's beautiful i want to go i've seen 
a lot of rugby on TV from there. So I want to go. And I read Trevor Noah's book. It's somewhere up there. Um, nice. But I've heard it's also very, very dangerous. Now, throughout this travel, you, you're a woman. Did you ever feel unsafe? For anybody who is, who is looking to, to do a solo work travel thing like this, did you ever feel unsafe? Yeah. So that's funny. I'm glad. Well, I don't know if I'm glad that you mentioned that, but yeah, it is accurate that you mentioned South Africa can be dangerous. Don't please don't tell my mom. I hope she never sees this. <laughs> she, <laughs> she will never let me get on a plane again. Um, so South Africa, it's dangerous if you're by yourself and walking around at night or when it's becoming dusk, even for men. And the reason by the reason being is because it is a very poor country. Like you'll you'll see you'll be like we were in like a very nice area, but you'll see very not far at all. Like just streets away is like a very ghetto area where it's 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 really just the it's they call it the township. Or, you know, it some of them are nicer than others, but they're mostly made out of basically I hate to say it, but like trash unfortunately like people literally have built their homes out of whatever they can find and it's really sad it, it shows just how um the economics and the racial division in the country has been it's still something that's very very top of mind for them um it like it, it's almost like and i can't remember if i heard this from somebody or not but like if we're going back in u.s history to when like segregation was going on and slavery had just ended like that that kind of time period is still kind of today like it's still very heavily segre segregated and everything is like very hot right now and and in the u.s it's hot too but it's hot in different ways i think it, it's just more of a um earlier time frame but with that being said people are very poor and so you know they try to make money any way that they can um, one day I was trying to meet all of my friends at this, this bar that they were at in the not so great part of town. There are some great parts of town and there are some not great parts of town. This bar just so happened to be on the street where everybody's out there. Everybody is out at night and people are twerking in the street. <laughs> I just had to add that in there. <laughs> but anyway, so the Uber drops me and my friend off. And we open the door. There are like two, no, maybe four, four men that come and like surround us asking us like, like we just got out of the car. Like we're still in the street and they like come up to us like asking us like, oh, hey, you want to come here with us? Da, da, da. And then I was like, no. I felt like it was like the paparazzi, you know, like when once you get out of the car, they're like swarming you and you're just like, no, no, trying to get out. <laughs> so <laughs> that that was a part that I was a little bit nervous of. But it was great because like I had friends there and like luckily we had people who were local to South Africa and they protected us in a lot of ways like you know telling us not to go to these places or there are some places like okay it's kind of sketchy but like if we go with you if we're local and we're there with you like they won't mess with you because we're from here and they'll mm -hmm. know that you're with us so that's that's kind of like the the biggest thing is like if you're by yourself like make sure you you meet some people that you trust and that are willing to go with you to those places if you're going to go or just don't go to like the sketchy places at all you know um in cape town which is where i was there's there's plenty of places that are not um that are nicer that you don't necessarily need to have protection per se but in other places like johannesburg there's that's probably one of the highest crime rate cities in South Africa, if not in the world. So I, I strongly recommend Cape Town for a lot of reasons. It's, I mean, it's coastal, it's beautiful. You have everything there. It's kind of like San Diego, but like actually above San Diego, in my opinion, more beautiful than that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's also, there's more like some safer areas as well. Talk to us about what the food was like in Ooh. South Africa. Okay, so uh, South African food. So if you think of Africa just in general, right, there's all sorts of different, different countries, different, you know, tribes and different cultures within those countries that, you know, the, the country lines are just 
country lines, but like the people and the tribes in which they come from are all very unique. And so there, there's probably about, I can't remember exact, the exact number, but there's like at least like 20 to 30 different languages that are spoken in South Africa. So that could just give you an idea of the variety of cultures that are there. So what's beautiful about South Africa and especially Cape Town is that there are so many different types of foods that you can try that are unique that you haven't tried before and that are also very, very good. So Cape Malay food is something that's specific to the 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 Cape area, which is like, you know, the, the Southern, the Southern Cape, the Cape of Good Hope, it's right around there. What has happened is that people from Malaysia, like took a boat trying to go around the Cape of Good Hope. They actually crashed their ship and couldn't go anywhere else. And they just decided to settle there. So there's actually a lot of Asian people who live in, uh, in South Africa for that reason. And a lot of their food has kind of spread within um, the local people there. So that's why they call it Cape Malay food. It's kind of like a mix of Asian, like Thai type of style food um, and like really good, like African style barbecue. <laughs> it's really good. And so it's good. Um, and on top of that too, a lot of uh, really great chefs just come and can make, you know, the best acai bowl, you know, <laughs> there's like a lots of things. And like, they're just really known for their, they call it a braai, which is basically just a barbecue. And so they literally just barbecue everything. <laughs> and so that's like the most popular thing there. Um, but yeah, so there's lots of great food. It's A1 and it's cheap too. If you're an American, the, the exchange rate is 16 to one. So you can literally eat all of the great food that you want. There were so many people in my group that went and, and ate at like, like five-star restaurants, like Michelin star restaurants. And we like hardly paid anything. <laughs> so, oh, wow. so it's, it's a good place. That's great. Uh, talk about, talk to us about how your global travels have shaped your view of authenticity and personal growth yeah this is this is a really great question and to be honest i think when i first started my trip which i started last july so july 1st is when i set out to go to south africa i on the plane i watched eat pray love it's stereotypical i know but <laughs> It was, I was the first time I'd seen it. I'd never watched it before in my life. And I was like, oh, you know, if there's a time to watch it, like, let's watch it now. Because I'm like traveling by myself um, at that point in time just to get there. And I thought, I feel like that movie influenced me. I was like, oh my gosh, like this, this trip is going to be life changing. It's something that's going to, you know, I'm going to be such a better person from this. I'm going to heal and like do all of these <laughs> things. I, that's what I thought was going to happen. And honestly it really wasn't like that and i'm so surprised at it like i'm i'm here back home i don't have travels planned until like late october and this is the first time i get to like really settle for a few months and like kind of reflect on things and i feel like i was just so busy like i was working full time still and traveling and you know trying to meet new people and you know, not trying to lose my mind, but like there was, there was not a whole lot of personal development that happened. But I, what I will say is that I learned that when you can really let your walls down and get to know people for who they are and realize that they are comfortable in their own, own skin, and then therefore you can start to be comfortable in your own skin. That's something really special and magical that happens that allows you to connect on such a deeper level. I think that was one thing that I learned. And, and that relates to what we were talking about earlier about the walls, right? Because um, on that trip, we, I traveled with the same group of people for at least four months. Some of them I continued on with for five. Um, and even though I wasn't super close with all of them, I knew every single person for who they were. Like I knew their character. I got to know their mannerisms, what they do, what their tendencies are, why they do the things that they do. Might, maybe not all the details of that, but 
it, it was on such a deep level because when you travel with people, you see the the good and the bad of them really quickly. You know, we, we went through some very like challenging, like stressful times and you get to see how people react in those, those seasons, how people, you know, how they recover from that as well. And I, I feel like that gives you a, a really full picture of who somebody is. And you don't often get that with the people that you talk to on a regular basis, even, or even like your, your uh, close friends, sometimes you don't always get to see that. So I think for me, that was a really big eye opener that I, I could really be myself and without any repercussions I guess <laughs> not that they would have to repercuss me but it was it was more just I I felt like I could be myself without feeling scared about it so I, I think that was really something that helped me become my authentic self during that time yeah uh, as you're sharing what I'm sitting with is like it almost sounds like you were most free as you were traveling. That's so accurate. Yeah, I I really was. And it, it manifested in, in a way that it, I didn't expect it to. You know what I mean? Like one, one specific thing that kind of illustrates that is I never sing in front of people. Not that I, I don't, I'm not a singer. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm good or anything, but it's just like, you know, you sing in your shower, you sing in your car and, you know, you practice those vocals, you know, <laughs> however you can. And uh, I never used to like sing seriously in front of people. Um, but while I was on my trip, I got to know these people so well that I would just be, you know, like just actually singing and just just because, you know, it was almost as if they weren't there in the room, but I was, I was just doing it out of like a, oh, I'm happy. So I'm going to, I'm going to sing not for a performance or anything, but I just feel comfortable here. And yeah, I, I really do think it's because of just the freedom that I felt not only, you know, being a, abroad and doing something I've always wanted to do, but also being around people that I felt like wouldn't necessarily judge me for it. That must be a great, a great feeling to be completely free in that, in that space. Cause you're right. There was no repercussions. These people don't know you, you know, and you could be friends with them for four months and then you could also honestly never have to see them again. So That's it was, true. it was a, it sounds like it was a beautiful freeing moment for you. And I did want to kind of, you know, touch on your podcast, which is called grow to be free. Um, so can you, can you talk a little bit about that and did your travels or your podcast have an influence on each other? Yeah, you have great transitions, man. <laughs> I just said this and I was like, wow, you flew, it flowed so well. <laughs> um, you. yeah, I, it's interesting because again, I feel like I had this this thought or this expectation that at the beginning of how it was going to be, I thought, okay, I'm going on this trip and I'm going to document my travels. I was like, I'm going to do, do the episodes and maybe I'll take a break, but I'll, I'll come back and have a whole bunch of new things that I could share with people. And, you know, cause that's the whole thing about my podcast is, you know, sharing self-development tips or things that have helped me or things that have helped other people grow to become the best versions of themselves. And I realized after South Africa, which was the first month, the first place that we went to, I was like, I don't know if I could keep this up while I'm traveling. It, it got really tough because, you know, I'm working full time. And then on my free time, I'm just trying to go and see the city and explore and, you know, get to know the people that I'm with. And it, it just didn't leave a whole lot of time to invest into the podcast. And I, I tried my best. I got back into the podcast when I got back after the five months. And honestly, it just, it felt different I, in such a strange way. I'm still trying to process it, honestly. I came back and there was a, I think maybe like four, like four or five episodes that I was like, okay, yeah, like this, this is going good. And then uh, towards the end of that last season, I was just like, 
I don't know if this is really me anymore. And Mm -hmm. in such a weird way, and, and I'm still trying to process it even today of, I feel like there's a shift in who I am and, and where I'm going next that needs to be explored. And I need to figure out what that is before I just keep on churning content out, you know? Um, so it, to, I guess just to answer your question, it, it influenced travel has influenced my podcast in a way I didn't think it would, mm. but I, I've kind of grieved that because I was like, what, this is like, you know, this, this felt like such, so much like me. And this was something that was so aligned, aligned with me for so long. It's like, well, who am I now? And like, that was such a, like a jarring, very, very kind of sad feeling. And I've grieved that. And now it's just more about like, okay, like God, like what's next, you know, what is, there's obviously a shift in my life because of you. And I, all I want to do now, now that I've traveled and done all these things that really fulfilled me, it's just like, God, I just want to glorify you. I just want to do something that brings honor to your name and something that you actually want me to pursue and not just something that I want to do. Um, so that that's kind of where I'm at now is like, okay, I'm just taking time to figure out what exactly are the next steps and not exactly sure where it's going. I mean, I have ideas. But again, I just want God to bless that. And I want it to be God's idea, not my idea. I love that you're sharing this on our podcast. So thank you so much for sharing this. And I love what I love about um, Tony and I have talked about this on a recent podcast, how when we started, we had this thought of how our podcast would go. We had this thought of like what it meant for us to be authentically who we are. So a couple podcasts ago, Tony asked me, he's like, now that we've had all these guests, what does it mean for you to be authentically you? And it was way different because we have grown and hearing each, each person's story has helped us grow and learn. And that's what I love about our podcast. I love hearing your story. We love sharing your story. And I love how you're like, okay, that was how my podcast was. I don't really know what it's going to look like coming up so we're gonna take a pause and i love that we get to we get to be in this transition um because i think whatever you have next is going to be big because you are just filling your mind you're filling your experiences up in your like your love buckets and it's like really cool to see how you're going to be able to like pour out and create whatever you want because now you have a different mindset you have a different lens and i love that because you were definitely chasing your dreams. And now I think you're chasing your godly dreams. Um, so I did want to ask with that is, do you have practical tips, any practical tips for somebody who wants to chase their dreams and balance their mental health? Essentially kind of like you just making that big jump to go travel. I, how can a person or any tips balance that? Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, but first, I just want to acknowledge that, you know, thank you for giving me the space to share that because I hadn't, I haven't shared it that much. And so I really appreciate you guys asking the right questions and really getting me through to this. And I, Conrad, what you just said, it just really encouraged me. So I just want to say thank you for that. And absolutely. And I appreciate this space a lot. Um, but yeah, practical tips on how somebody can balance their mental health and their dreams. Yeah, so I I think this answer would be different in different seasons of life that I've been through. But I would say one thing. Oh, sorry. Let me just turn this back on. Okay, there we go. So one thing that has been a consistent is really having a solid self-awareness practice. And I'll I'll say practice because it's, you know, we can have self-awareness in certain areas, but we need to practice how to have self-awareness in others a lot of the times. And and sometimes we lose self-awareness in in the day-to-day, in the mundane, 
you know, you, you go in day in, day out, and you're doing the same things going through the motions, and you don't really know why you're doing it or what the purpose is behind it. And I think the practice of self-awareness on a daily basis will be the catalyst to allowing you to, number one, know who you are. Number two, know what it is that's important to you and where you're being called to. And number three, knowing when you're getting off track. And the third one is is debatably probably one of the most important ones because if you start to get off track and you're not checking yourself of like, hey, where am I today? You're, you can end up being way off course than what you intended to be. And so I think it's, it's really important to do those daily check-ins with yourself, whether it be in the morning or just throughout the day or at night where it's like, all right, how did today go? What happened? How do I feel about it? Do I want tomorrow to be different? you know, and, and really checking in, you know, even if you don't write it down or journal it, it's like just mentally checking in with yourself is really, really important, especially if you're a busy person and you, you really want to hustle, right? If you're somebody who wants to hustle and you want to make it big and you know, whatever it is that you want to do, you really need to take that time for yourself. And it doesn't have to be long. It could just be five minutes a day. And that is going to make all the difference. Um, so I would say that that's probably my biggest tip. Mm, love it. So, Kiani, our last question before we transition. What does it mean for you to be authentically you? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say it is it. Is this like a one word kind of answer or like one sentence or just like explain no, it? It's, it's Yeah, whatever you think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think to be authentically me is to feel like I'm free. And that's so, uh, what is it? It's very relevant to what we were talking about today because... I, the more that I feel like I am free to be myself, the more that I am, I feel free to do the things that I want to do and not what somebody else wants to do. That's when I feel like I can really be myself because I get to just play in that space and, and allow whatever it is that I am to come forth. And once once you have kind of other people's expectations or other or society's expectations on you or things that people are expecting you to do and you don't take the time to to have some freedom in your life then that's when yourself your sense of self starts to kind of diminish itself um and so me having had experienced that when i was very young it's like now, like freedom is, is so super duper important to me. And I know there's not always going to be a time where, you know, there's always going to be somebody who has expectations of you, right? Like, we're, we might have families one day, <laughs> we might have a spouse, you know, we, we have God's expectations on us, right? And it's okay that those things are there, because in reality, those are, are never going to go away. But it's how do you choose to free yourself from those and choose those little moments in time and on the day-to-day -day basis where you can you can be yourself and you can allow your your true emotions, your true thoughts, your true feelings, your true creativity to come through and without any limitations. So that's what I would say. So beautifully put. Kiani, this has been such an amazing um, episode. First of all, um, you definitely carried our 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 episode this time, and we thank you for that. And thank you so much for sharing from the get go. Like for real, we're 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 really really grateful for you, and thank you for your story. But it is time to transition into our next segment, which is called Rapid Fire. Oh no! <laughs> I'm not prepared. <laughs> I'm not good at these. And that's why it's called rapid fire. This is where we ask you three questions. Um, and you're going to answer the first thing that comes to mind. Don't call any of your friends who are traveling. This is this. Don't play with the dog next to you. It's the first thing that comes to mind. 
Okay, okay. Let's get into it. What breaks your heart? People not knowing who they are and acting out against it. Second question is, what's your most embarrassing childhood nickname and how did you earn it? It's funny because this nickname, I, I, I embrace it now and it's, it is my nickname. <laughs> but so kids used to call me Kiki and a lot of people call me Kiki today. But the reason why I decided, oh, no, this is embarrassing is because one day I came home from, or my grandma picked me up from school and then my friends were like, bye, Kiki. And then she was like, oh, they call you Kiki. And I was like, yeah, that's what they call me. And then she was like, well, do you know what that means? And I was like, no, I don't know what that means. What are you talking about? And she goes, it means vagina in uh, in some dialect in Tagalog. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was like 10. Like, I'm 10 years old. I'm like, you know. Traumatized forever. I was like, don't ever call me that. I like the next day of school, they're like, what's up, Kiki? I'm like, stop, please. They're like, why? I, I, I can't tell you. I just, I can't. Like, I couldn't even admit it. <laughs> but I embrace it now because one, it's, you know, it's a childhood story. It's funny, but yeah. And plus I do like the name, but yeah. you know, now, now everybody's going to know and they're going to make fun of me now. <laughs> What's your favorite Marvel character? Uh, I was honestly, I just always default to Captain America because how oh, the man is just very attractive. Yes. Um, <laughs> But, like, I, I don't know. He's just very, like, I don't, he has, like, morals, you know? Like, very, like, strong character. He, like, he always wants to do the right thing, you know? Um, you know, plus his pecs are really nice and, you know, nice arms, you know? <laughs> I can't leave that out. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Kiani, this has been an amazing episode. Um, where can people find you? And what do you have going next? Yeah, so you the best place to reach me is on Instagram at growing to be Kiani, all spelled out, and my name is K I A N I. And uh, what I have going on next? Ooh, that is the big question. I don't know, <laughs> and I think that's what the beautiful thing is. I am hoping to get myself back into posting again it's it's only been like maybe maybe a month now that i haven't posted but that's a long time in in the content world especially when your your people are used to you posting quite often <laughs> so i i'm embracing the season of just trying to figure out what's next and uh, if you guys follow me on instagram you'll figure out what's next eventually well you heard it here first Kiani. thank you again for this episode until next time be authentic in everything that you do. Peace. 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 <sighs> Tony, I feel I feel lighter. Oh man, it's I I feel like I could stay up all night. You know? Yeah. Like I I'm just jazzed up. Her story. Um. Her story is amazing, complex, beautiful, um, and the amount of freedom that I think is going to come her way. It's already, she's already glimpsed it, and I'm excited to see her just walk in that freedom more boldly, more courageously, um, She's truly a beautiful soul. It was awesome watching how, you know, she definitely thought about each question. I'm not saying other guests don't, but she really thought about it. And it was really cool from your first statement that you said to her. I think it was like you could see her getting more free and recognizing that freedom is truly something she desires and wants to be. And it's inspiring because I feel like I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I want to I want to be like that. I want to feel completely free. So, Johnny, shout out to you. 
for inspiring me, for inspiring Tony, for inspiring our listeners. This was a great episode for sure. Oh, yeah. Guys, but you know what time it is. It is time for all times. It is time for the friendship moment. Moment. This is where we talk about sharing moments together where Tony and I grow and you guys get to come along this journey with us. And I think, Tony, you have a question for me. Yes. Let me think of it. <laughs> um, so, since we've started this podcast, what, what shit have you seen in me that I may not see in myself? I would say the... How do, I, how do I explain it? Like the ownership you've taken of the podcast. Um, because you do have a busy life, right? You you have a lot of stuff going on and you've dedicated specific time for us to record this. You've dedicated specific time for you to edit and the consistency that, to be honest, at first I was like, this ain't going to work out because I'm busy, you're busy. But it's something that I've seen you stay consistent with this. Um, even when things were like tough or your time was limited, you made it happen. If you had to stay up late, you made it happen. So I would say, I don't know if you've seen it in yourself, but I've definitely seen it and appreciate it. And um, yeah, you've definitely taken ownership over your time. Or even when I'm like, hey, can we do this? You're like, got it. You know, and it's like, it's cool. I actually appreciate it. And I, I think that's your main reason why our podcast is what it is today. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. See we about to blow up one day. One day. Yes. People are going to see our t-shirts and be like, I know that podcast too. I can't wait to be walking to the airport. Authentically us. Tony Conroy. Me? Oh, no <laughs> it's gonna happen just wait oh for sure just wait well y'all thanks for coming on this journey with us first of all um we're over 50 episodes in guys so keep trucking with us um be on the lookout for our next book that we're going to read and until next time be authentic in everything that you do peace peace out